Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Ladies and gentlemen, may I have your attention, please? You are listening to the Big Cruise Podcast. Well, hello, and welcome to uh, episode 160 of the Big Cruise Podcast. My name is Baz, I'm just one of your hosts that bring you this uh, normally weekly uh, cruise packed podcast talk all things cruise, all things maritime history, and uh, occasionally answer a few listener questions or two. Now, uh, we did take a week off. Um, I uh, took the family away for a well-deserved break, uh, but we are back, and we're back with a bumper episode. Uh, Chris is actually uh, just about to land at an airport on his way back to Australia because he's on been on uh, secret squirrel business. Um, he couldn't tell me what he was doing. He just told me that he was heading to Italy and he'd share all once complete and on his way uh, back to Australia. So uh, we will get Chris online in just a second. He's going to join us and uh, share exactly what he has been up to. But of course, as always, thank you for those of you who have been getting in contact via the uh, the website, thebigcruisepodcast.com. If you have a burning question, if you have a fact or fiction you would like answered uh, or challenge myself or Chris, or whether you just want to Drop us a note. You can do so, of course, via the website, thebigcruisepodcast.com, and click on Join the Show in the top right-hand corner. Now, uh, let's get things moving, actually. Let's uh, cast off the lines. Let's get Chris on the line, and let's find out exactly what he's been up to. Enjoy the show. And once again, we are back, and it's always great to welcome our good friend and maritime historian, who is somewhere in an airport somewhere in the world. Where are you, Chris? Well, I, that's a good question, actually, Baz. <laughs> it's been such a such a long uh, few days, but what an exciting um, week it's been for me. I'm actually sitting here right now in Singapore Airport. Uh, oh, good old Changi. Australia. Yeah, yeah. First time back since um, since things opened up again, and um, coming back from Venice via Dubai and Singapore to get back home to Australia. So, 
going the long way around, but um, you have been, been in Venice for the last week. And if uh, oh. any of the listeners are, are also following me on YouTube, they'll already probably know why. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, of course, knew you were heading to Venice, but didn't know the full details of what was happening. So we'll share all of that in just a minute. But you've been there for, what, the best part of a week? Yeah, so I flew out on the weekend last week, uh, flew into Venice, got in on um, on Monday. Um, mm-hmm. On the way across, it was actually just, just through Dubai, so it was a bit quicker getting there. Um, and yeah, nice uh, first time being uh, flying out and heading in the, the westbound direction uh, since ni- uh, 2019. Mm-hmm. Um I was just about to say 1919, which just goes to show how tired I am. <laughs> but, um, you know, it was it was just lovely to to um, to arrive in, into Venice and spent um, spent a day there uh, before everybody else that I was um, going to hang out with for the next few days yep. arrived and, and went into into Venice and walked the streets and had uh, gelato and you know it was just you have to almost pinch yourself to think you're back in Europe. You know what it feels like. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, exactly. No, it's always a always a good feel to be back. And of course, you were there for a particular reason. And uh, we now know that, of course, it was all centered around Queen Anne. So what exactly have you been up to? So I've been working with Cunard for the last um, few weeks, actually, in putting together uh, an event where uh, travel agents from, um, from Europe, particularly from the UK and, and Germany, um, joined us at the shipyard at Fincantieri and uh, we, um, myself and, uh, and the Cunard team, um, presented some uh, Cunard history to the group and then took them on escorted tours through the ship as she's under construction in, fin- in Fincantieri. Mm. So was this your first visit to a Fincantieri shipyard? It was, yes, it was, very much so. And Did you uh, hit them up for sponsorship while you were there? <laughs> Oh no, I've let you down, Baz. <laughs> I mean, they probably have heard all of the times we've mentioned them. Um, look, it's interesting actually because the podcast did seem to be did seem to be known amongst not just the, the travel agents and the journos, but also um, amongst the, amongst the team of people that are working there. So it's really nice oh. to see that the um, the European reach is is there for our our big cruise <laughs> podcast. <laughs> there we go. But you know, when when you're coming in on, um, have you been to the, the shipyard in Venice? Not to the Venice one. No, I've been to a shipyard previously, but not that one. Okay, so you, you arrive at um, um, Marco Polo Airport, and then where we were staying was actually not not on the islands, but just on the mainland near yeah. where the shipyard is. And the um, the taxi picked me up, and we're driving along, and then all of a sudden you see sort of this massive gantry crane. It's this big blue Fincantieri written on it, and then in the distance is like, oh my gosh, I can see a red and black funnel. It's Queen Anne, and there she is, right there in. Um, <laughs> in the shipyard as you're driving off to the hotel and think wow that's so exciting but what wanted the next day to hurry up and get there you know so you can go and see the ship yeah yeah and were there other ships being built at the, the different stages in the same shipyard there were actually it's interesting because on the on the flight path in that we had coming into the airport um i was just happened to be sitting on the on the uh, left hand side of the aircraft and you can see the shipyard as you come into land and there was a uh, what it looked like a complete ship. I think it, it looked like a smaller MSC ship, so I'm wondering maybe if it was there for refit. And uh, then you could see Queen Anne, and then in the dry dock there's actually um, Hull 6300, which I think might be the next in the um, uh, Norwegian uh, Prima uh, class. I think yeah, yeah. it might be uh, the next Prima class ship that's under construction. Um, right. Although some people were saying it's it's an MSC ship. I should probably have looked that up. Um <laughs> Uh, but yeah, it's, it's, it was kind of the hull was in various stages of construction, so you could see sort of the the very 
early stages of the bow, but in the centre there's like the core of the ship, which is just um, already built out there with um, with all the balconies added in. So it's being it's being built in a very different way to the way Queen Anne was built, because of course she had her bow section built at um, a different shipyard, and then it was launched yeah. and floated over to um, to, to the, the shipyard in Venice. Mm. So what were your what were your first impressions? Well, you know, mate, it's uh, it, it's one of those things that you kind of have um, a little bit of an idea in your head of what you think it might look like from photographs. And of course, I've spent hours and hours watching historical videos of shipyards, and there's like, you know, obviously the ship's being built. There's people everywhere, but um, it, it's quite different, as as you probably um, as you probably know, it's quite different in real life to see this sort of hive of activity, and everyone seems to have an idea. Like all the shipyard workers seem to have an idea of what they're doing and what their role is, but I just I marvel at the um, at the logistics that must sit behind it to get it to all work and to come together. And you, you kind of you kind of look at it, and it, it might look a little bit chaotic, but at the same time, it's like orchestrated a bit. I guess yeah. a bit like what if you were shrunk down and put inside like a beehive or something. Everyone seems to know what they're doing, but yeah. from the outside, it kind of you, you'd have to understand the logistics of it to work out what's going on <laughs> first so it takes a little while to get your bearings but um oh but mate the ship just looks like she's still she's still under construction of course but just the the way that they've built it and the things that they've thought about when they come to building the interior sort of spaces that the the design you can really start to see it shining through um just just the structural elements that have made this that make this ship quite special i think yeah so is it's are they at a point where it's visually obvious where lounges start and end and you can kind of get a feel for what the features of that area might look like? Obviously, there's no soft furnishings yet, but can you, you really get a sense of space at the minute? Well, I mean, I, I've been working um, alongside Francis Fred, who is the um, one, one of the, the brand manager there at Cunard. Mm-hmm. And um, he, he has been working on um, Queen Anne for quite some time. So he knows the ship. He's visited the ship. He, he actually, I think... Um, he can walk through it and he knows where everything is. So the first two yep. days we spent together familiarizing me with the ship because I was going to um, host half the tours um, right. alongside Francis. So, you know, the first walk through, I'd been studying the deck plans. I was literally like reading the deck plans and looking at the <laughs> deck plans for weeks in advance, trying to kind of get an idea as to where things are. And if you know, if you know the existing um, Queen Victoria and Queen Elizabeth, there are some elements that are slightly similar like the main britannia dining room is in a similar space the Mm -hmm. uh, grand lobby is in a similar space but when you're on board obviously it's not it's not fitted out yet and also there are a lot of differences they've made a lot of changes to the pinnacle um platform that they've 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 used for queen anna they've they've really customized it so that first walkthrough was kind of just absorbing everything and then the next day we spent just kind of on the ship and I became more and more familiar with it by the time it was ready to give the tours we obviously came on board just to do one last sort of walkthrough and I was like yeah I know where this is I know where this is I know where this is so it it took about it took about a day and a half to sort of really get to a point where you felt like I'm not going to get lost in the in the maze of um yeah of the internal spaces of the ship but the other thing that you've probably seen it as well if you've been on ship, shipyard visits is that there, there are different stages of completion on board. So mm-hmm. there are some areas where you, the cabins are, um, are, are completely in. And there are some areas where you can see the outlines on the floors 
where the staterooms will be built. So you can see where the wet area is and where the the walls are going to be and all the electrical services and plumbing services are coming in. There are some areas that have got, that are being built in situ. So they're not like the, the big suites, for example, are being constructed in place. So you've got sort of the, the outline of the, of the room and the metallic structure that is going to sort of have all the decoration put on it. You can see where things are going to be, but it's open, so you can still see out to the corridor. So it's it's a very um, different experience depending on what part of the ship you're in. Um, But it's at a point where, like when we when we toured through the Queen's room, for example, you can see where the the dance floor, which is going to be similar size to Queen Mary II's dance floor, although in an oval shape rather than square. uh, it's going to. You can see where that's going to be. You can see where the raised areas are going to be. And the thing that really blew me away about through the whole ship was that even though all the windows are kind of frosted with protective coating, there is so much light coming into this ship. There are so oh, many windows. Awesome. All the public spaces seem to have these massive, massive windows. Um, and the other thing that they've done that's really impressive is the ship has a, a, a two-story uh, pavilion that's going to have. So the swimming pool and the spa and the, you know the whirlpools. There's a DJ box. There's going to be a grill. There'll be gelato. There'll be a juice bar. There'll be a normal bar. And then on the deck above, there's a wellness bar that's going to do all sorts of um, uh, menu options in conjunction with Mariel to create this sort of wellness concept throughout oh, the ship. Okay. Yeah, but yeah. on the top of it, there's a, there's a magrodome. And, you know, traditionally these are sort of like pretty flat structures, but they completely reimagined it. They engaged Martin Francis, who designed the glass pyramid outside the Louvre, mm-hmm. to rethink how this glass roof could look. And it's this huge curved structure that just adds almost like another deck of height above the space. And you just mm-hmm. walk in there and it feels absolutely cavernous. It's massive. Um, and then the windows, obviously, on both levels just natural light coming in it's just really cool and i i was you know i've seen sort of on the deck plans what it, what it where it would look where it would be and what it like its situation and what the areas are but when you stand in that space you're like wow the whole core of the ship has just been opened up with this really clever use of of glass and and um uh, and the metallic structure being curved makes a huge difference wow so what did the um the the visiting media and the visiting travel trade from from europe make of, of the, the ship visit well you know it was a, it was a really well um really well balanced uh, occasion i think because the, the 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 guests they they flew in um on uh, on the wednesday and they had some time you know in venice or to do what they wanted to do mm-hmm. and then we met at the hotel we had we had drinks at the hotel and then we went into venice um and there was a um a boat ride on the Grand Canal that had been organized and then we went to a restaurant in Venice where I gave a maritime history talk whilst oh, awesome. the guests were, were having their, their dinner and that sort of set the scene for why Queen Anne is you know the custodian of a brand that I feel you know obviously I feel very strongly about that yeah. is um you know is more than just a cruise line and we sort of touched on how the steamship service changed the way that people traveled and that's mm-hmm. the travel that we experience today where we can all arrive in a city in Italy and all be there together. That sort of regular scheduled movement of people didn't exist really before regularly scheduled steamship services because, you know, the era before that sailing ships, there was no aircraft. Yep. You could yep. not 
reliably travel around the world. It was very much a, a dangerous and, and long and scary prospect. So, and then sort of touching on a few of the design elements that Queen Anne has, has, in, has on board that have been interpreted from Cunard history. So mm-hmm. uh, one of the first Cunard ships to, well, the, the first Cunard ship to carry electricity um, and electric lighting, rather, was the Servia. And she was a, you know, a groundbreaking ship because people from all across Europe who were traveling to America for a new life could walk into their cabin and flick a switch and it would illuminate the space and it got rid of things like paraffin lamps and candles, mm-hmm. made it much, much safer. So, of course, Queen Anne, you have electric lighting. Everyone has electric lighting, but they've got a new concept called the Bright Light Society, which is an after-dinner um, entertainment venue and when you walk into the space the whole ceiling is going to be filled with this array of hundreds of bright light bulbs that oh. pays tribute to Servia and her contribution a ship that they've never really talked about that much before oh, um, okay. you know obviously the Britannia restaurant is in honor of the RMS Britannia and I thought it was quite interesting that the ship it's the Queen, Queen Anne is 64 meters to the top of the funnel but britannia was 63 meters long so queen anne is taller than britannia was long Um, so just making a few of those little little links and then kind of finished off on a on a note of um the queen the queen mary and queen elizabeth as the original uh, cunard queens and how when they introduced art deco it was groundbreaking it was different for cunard it wasn't the same as what had been there before yeah um and there was a lot of sort of uh pushback from the media at the time particularly with Queen Mary, that they'd gone too far. They'd gone too far away from the classic Cunard image. Of course, yep. the travelling public fell in love with it. And with Queen Anne, you've kind of got, you can see it in the, in the artist renditions that have been released, this reinterpretation of that deco style. So it's, it, 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 you know, the, the Royal Court Theatre on board, for example, is going to have um, a musical feel about it rather than what's been done on Queen Victoria and Queen Elizabeth. So she yep. will have her own presence. She'll have her own interpretation of the style. Um, mm. And I think when people think about Cunard, they think it's so traditional. But for most of Cunard's history, it it didn't it it, it didn't sort of um, recreate the past. It was it was a very um, forward facing line with with the queens, with Lusitania, Mauritania, with um, you know Aquitania, with QE two when she came out, and people were like, why is there chrome and, um, yeah. and glass everywhere, and what's all this orange and red? Um, but they you know the ships move with the times and I think uh, Queen Anne is a, is a beautiful blend and you can sort of see the structural elements and how there's a lot of fluidity and flow in the design and you can see that kind of uh, echoed on board with the way that the, the bulkheads curve and that the openings and the wells have kind of a circular feel to them. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was the idea of trying to set the scene at the, at, the, um, at the dinner, which people seem to really enjoy. I got a lot of people come up afterwards, which was lovely. And say, you know, th- thank you. I never, I never realised. I never knew. And I was sort of uh, very, very kind feedback. And, and check out the podcast because we talk about it all the time. <laughs> um, and then, and then the next day we were on board the ship, and that was the bit I think everyone was really looking forward to. You know, hard hats, Cunard branded yep. um, high vis that steel cap boots were supplied for everybody. Um, obviously, a lot of you know security at, the, at a shipyard, so that we yep. had to go through all of the security processes. And then you, you sort of walk out and see. Queen Anne there and everyone sort of takes a gasp when they see the ship with this massive um, crane that's working next to it. it it's quite exciting. Oh, sounds awesome, mate. So what, <laughs> we, what was, what was um, I guess if you could th- pick three spaces or places, I know it's early days, it's hard to visualise, but three spaces or places on board that you think are going to be your go-tos when you 
next get back on board, which will probably be around about her inaugural, I would imagine. Yes, so I am booked on the inaugural as a guest speaker, which is really exciting. I'm beyond the maiden voyage, um, which uh, is something I have to start sort of sharing with people now that it's all it's all confirmed. Yeah. Um, so you heard it here first in the podcast, but um, yeah, uh, you know, spaces that I'm most looking forward to, to seeing completed. I mean, I think the I think Bright Lights is going to be really really fun. I think it's going to be a really interesting, um, high energy feel to it when it's completed. Um, I'm also just really looking forward to seeing the, the grand lobby at its completion as well because they've created this really interesting concept with this dynamic piece of artwork that as you move through the lobby, it, it changes the perspective where you'll start off with a, a ship's departure, then the ship at sea, and then ultimately when you get to the other side of the lobby, it will appear as if the ship's arriving to port. So I think that would ah. be pretty cool. But what's yeah. interesting about the lobby is it's been really activated on the ship. So the the chart room for example it sort of juts out into the lobby so you can you can mingle around the bar and still be in that central space without having to go into an actual room yeah. um there there's actually going to be a um a, a coffee lounge on the lower level as well so if you're sort of waiting for shore tours or um going to see the person's desk that you can have you know conversations and beverages and that sort of thing should be really nice um the the pavilion looks amazing, but the, the the other thing is like there's all those different eateries in the pavilion. The, the ship's also introducing four new dining concepts for Cunard. So there'll be mm. um, Ajiwa, which is Japanese-inspired, and Sir Samuel's, which is the steakhouse. And they've yep. both got aft-facing aft views, which are one deck above the Panorama Pool Club deck. And wow. you'll sort of sit there and you'll have this view aft with the way that they've – one of the interesting things is if you look at the Pinnacle-class ships, they've got this sort of – um, sort of two terraced deck area at the back that's quite squared but on Queen Anne everything's curved so you've got this sort of like circular curved aft awning with yep. lots of shelter and then the view out from the restaurants that will look over the aft end of the pool and out to the to the wake it's going to be pretty special and then one deck up you've got um, Tramanto rather which is a um, uh, an Italian Mediterranean inspired um, specialty restaurant and, and then also Arania which is Indian so um, you know, different for Cunard. They, don't, they haven't, yeah. haven't had that before, so I'm kind of excited to, to try those out as well. And then I think a space I probably will never go into as a traveller, but that I'm really, really excited about are the six suites on board the ship. Um, okay. There are there's six, six sort of grand suites. There's two, two Q1s and four Q2s, I, I believe, but each of them, uh, we, we took the tour to to one to one of the Q1s. Um, each of them is named after a, a waterway that's important to Cunard's history. And some years ago now, um, before the before the shutdown, Cunard worked with Rochelle and myself to research the names of these rooms and oh. create, you know identify the, the the waterways that um, meant the most to Cunard and to and to sort of help help name the the suites. So. We're just so excited to see, like, just walk past and see the nameplate there on the suite. So <laughs> if you've seen the deck plans, it's already sort of been um, been revealed because it, the names are on the deck plans, but there's the, the Mersey suite after. Oh, I was just going to take a stab in the dark, man. <laughs> I know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Please. I've, I've let the first one go. That's, one, that's the one we went into, but, but have a guess at what the other five would well, be. Well, Mersey was going to be my first one, obviously, with a connection with Liverpool. Yeah. Um. It's not a river. It's a Solent, possibly, in there somewhere? Yep, the Solent is okay. one. That is correct. Okay. And it doesn't have to be a river. It has to be just a, it's just a waterway. Okay. Um, 
something associated with New York, but I don't know what. Starts with an H. Hudson? Yep, that's the one. <laughs> okay, so we're three down. Uh, the other hint I'll give you is that three of them are on the British side of the Atlantic and the other three are on the American side. Ah, so you've got okay, two, okay. two British and one American so far. So would the third British either be something to do with Glasgow or Belfast? Something to do with Glasgow? Well, close to Glasgow. Oh, I can't think of the name of the port or the waterway. Clyde Bank? Clyde, yes, the River Clyde. That's the run, yep. This is fun. Okay. Now, oh, now my geography of North America, where else would we be? Um, well, I'll give you a hint. Um, Sir Samuel Cunard and the first crossing. Boston? Boston, that is one. Yes, correct. So Boston was okay. the first American port. And where was Sir Samuel from? Don't know. Pass. Halifax. So Halifax. Ah, Halifax. Okay. <laughs> oh, okay. So we've got the six, the six waterways there, and each of them are very, very important to Cunard. I mean, obviously, um, Boston being the first American port, uh, Halifax was where Sir Samuel was born, but also was the Canadian port for the Cunard service all the way through to the age of the jet. Mm-hmm. Um, the Hudson in New York, I mean, once Cunard shifted its express services to, to New York, the Hudson has been and still is his day, like one of the most visited waterways that the company's ever um, had. Mm-hmm. And on the British side, it all started in Liverpool, so the, the, the Mersey had to be um, had to be one of them. Um, and uh, the Solent, which is Cunard's um, current home and has been the home of the express ship since 1919. Um, mm. And then the Clyde, where the original um, the original Queens and, and Aquitania, Lusitania, Coronia, so many ships were built on the Clyde. So uh, that was a very fitting name as well. Although I did think it was interesting, thinking about it today, when Queen Anne's in service, Fincantieri would have built as many Queens as John Brown's did, which is quite, quite oh, an wow. interesting little thought there. Yeah. Mm. So, I mean, I, 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 in a cheeky way, I'd love to say that um, if you're involved in naming the sweets, we should probably probably get to, to, to have the sweets <laughs> but uh, i'm pretty sure that they've got high demand for them because uh, those rooms look there's only you know, six of them yeah there's only six of them they look absolutely stunning even now like we, we do a walk through one of them and you can see you, you sort of walk in there's a main re- sort of rotunda when you walk in and to the to the right hand side there's a little discreet door which enters, enters into a butler's pantry the butler on the q1s has um their own secondary access door so if there's entertainment happening they can go into the butler's pantry with the food and don't have to walk through the guest areas yeah um there's a, a guest bathroom on the on the left hand side you walk into the great room which is this enormous cavernous space at the moment but it kind of looks out over the balcony there's massive windows uh, once it's finished there'll be furnishings in there and you can have it arranged to suit your you know your style how you want the furnishings arranged and then mm. you come back through um into the sort of main entryway and there's a, a corridor that leads down to the master bedroom which has you know um the the master bed there's a um walk-in robe which is i mean it looked it looked i mean half the size of an entertainer's cabin it was massive <laughs> um and then at the after uh, forward rather end of the um of the room there's the, the master bathroom which will have a shower suite it'll have a toilet it'll have uh, basins and then a massive bath that sits alongside the a window so you can kind of lie lie there and watch the ocean going past it it just looked like it's going to be so cool and you know 
just yeah that's the way to travel i think <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah no must be uh, a lot of excitement back at uh Cunard, um, in the uk of course yeah and i think deservedly so and it's and one of the things that's i mean obviously i i was um you know i was engaged by Cunard to do this to do this work so it's um and i'm a huge fan of Cunard, but working with the team like obviously i've worked with them for many years over um, long distance I've met some of them but to this time it was an opportunity for everyone to come together and I was meeting people that I'd spoken to remotely for, for years but never had met them in person <laughs> before and it was almost as if we'd known each other forever they're such a they're such oh, a wow. positive energetic friendly welcoming um, team who are I mean the commitment is just remarkable so um, I, I was you know it's been a really special um, a really special week Oh, good, mate. Well, I'm glad it's all uh, all panned out. I know it's been an incredibly busy week, and you're probably absolutely exhausted as you uh, sit in Changi, very, very close to home, but still, uh, still not quite there. <laughs> yeah, and the only thing that um, yeah, the only uh, delay I had on all the travels, including taxis and transfers and uh, gondolas and, and boats, is the last <laughs> flight home to to Australia. So <laughs> I'm going to be getting in after after probably about two o'clock in the morning, but that's okay. I actually feel really much more energized now that we've been we've been doing the podcast and i did before before we got, got on the line <laughs> oh, awesome awesome um well of course you've sent me a couple of pictures already so i'll include some of those in the show notes so uh, just a little snapshot of uh, some of the things you've been up to um, over the past week yeah. um so, and uh, can't wait to, wait to hear more as, as things progress on uh, queen anne yeah so by the time listeners hear this there will be a a short sort of two and a half minute teaser video i guess um that I put together at um, at Dubai Airport, actually, and <laughs> uh, wow. Venice Airport, um, basically just sort of showing initial impressions. But what my plan is is to then do sort of a, a recreation of the of the tour that we gave um, we gave the the travel agents, um, what you know, for, for YouTube, which I'm hoping will be out um, by you know my usual Friday upload by the by the following week. Oh, awesome! Well, of course, the link to uh, your YouTube channel is always there. And uh, we'll share that next one, of course, when it uh, launches in next week's episode as well. Sounds good. Mate, are you got time for news or do we need I to call do. it? I oh, do. And my do. battery is holding up. So this is, we're in a good place. <laughs> okay, let's take a very quick break and then we'll come back with some of the latest news from around the world. If you enjoyed today's episode, make sure to subscribe and leave us a review. Okay, Chris, first up, our friends at Pernant have. Uh, completed yet another international safety exercise. I think they did something similar to this maybe about 12 months ago, but they've taken it one step further this time. And um, they've included an exercise that spanned 10 time zones with more than 100 people over a 12-hour period. What have they been up to? Yes, this is like pretty intense, hey? It sounds as if they've um, been, they they do sort of a full um, manned uh, emergency procedures um, rehearsal, I guess. Yeah. Um, so ten, as you say, ten time zones and a hundred people were were um, involved in this over a twelve-hour period. Uh, on board uh, Le Commandant Charcot, there were sixty-five participants who were evacuated um, in the ship's heated lifeboats, and and then um, because they go to these remote areas, they they have the equipment that allows them to to um, to survive, I suppose, on on an island uh, in. Well, it looks like I'm sure you put the pictures in the show notes, but they kind of look like orange domed buildings, almost a little bit like the buildings that they have out in the um, in the mine sites, really the dongas, isn't it? Um, in the yeah, north a bit of like WA, that, yeah. a little bit like those. Um, 
but these will keep people sort of safe and and uh, and and alive until they can be rescued. And then they actually worked in partnership with the Royal Canadian Air Force, um, which deployed their C one thirty and C one forty nine um, Hercules and, and helicopter um, to to be participating in this um, in, in this you know evacuation uh, rehearsal. Yeah, I mean, I, I had no idea there was such a thing as heated lifeboats, but I guess it's needed when you're in these far Absolutely. extremes. And then these ice cubes that they, they just look incredible, as you say, like an orange dome with this almost like spider's web structure on the outside. It's, yeah, 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 it's quite. You should check, if you're listening, you should check it out because it's quite an interesting looking thing. Yeah, it's like no, something you might use in Mars. <laughs> exactly. Now let's come back down to our part of the world. This time we're talking celebrity who have uh, announced that the Gin Cruise returns, which of course first happened down here in 2022. Yes, it's uh, in partnership with the Australian uh, distillery, the Four Pillars Gin, mm. and um, they'll be bringing it uh, aboard the Celebrity Edge, which is uh, making her way down to our part of the world for the uh, December and then into 2024 season. Yes, getting getting very close. I believe they're in a big countdown on the East Coast awaiting the arrival of Edge. There's lots of different uh, gin-inspired uh, activities that can take place during this uh, particular cruise. Of course, these are all extra additional payments if you want to choose to, to participate in them. Um, but we've got a full list there in the show notes if anybody's interested from anything from gin and oyster tasting in Tasmania to a Four Pillars cocktail and chocolate masterclass or we could do the Four Pillars and Four Pillars of Martini, which is a cocktail mini martini masterclass, to name just a few. Um, and, of course, this one-off sailing is taking place on 7th of March 24, uh, departing from Sydney, heading back to Tasmania. It's a six-night voyage with uh, a little bit of space still available. Sounds good. Now, uh, Hong and America have got two announcements this week, Chris. They're first of all talking about they have completed shore power connectivity across the entire fleet, with Volendam being the, the last of the fleet to receive it. Yeah, I know, right? So that this allows the ships to uh, connect up to, to shoreside power, which um, firstly, you know, re- reduces the reliance on the engines, but also uh, if that power is uh, generated using less um you know, more renewable sources that, than, than diesel in many cases, that it's a sort of a net positive for, for everybody. But mm. um, I think, you know, Holland America is obviously making a big stand here with um, with having all of their ships done. I think the Carnival Corporation is is quite um, uh, interested in, in this across many of their different brands. And one of the other things that I, I did um, find out at the shipyard uh, is that Queen Anne plus the existing three Cunard ships also are all equipped with shoreside power. So as more and more of these ships get this, we just need the ports to catch up really, don't we? Yeah, no, exactly. And I was curious actually, I was, I'm not sure if there is another cruise line where the entire fleet has um, all of their ships done, um, but obviously if Cunard are, are closely following in the footsteps with well, uh, yeah. their four I mean, Cunard's then, current, current I mean, existing fleet are all done, but then the Holland America fleet's much bigger, so hmm. I suppose it takes longer when it's, when it's yeah. many, many more ships, you know. But they uh, they started back in 2006 with the Vista class ships, and then it's mm. Pinnacle class ships. Also, the Collingsdam, Newstead, and Damaratum were built with shore power, and then the Signature class, which is the Eurodam, New Amsterdam, had partial installation, which has now been been complete. That allows them to do cold ironing in more than 18 ports worldwide that currently have the infrastructure, but they're also working with 25 additional ports across the globe that are currently in preparation for putting the infrastructure there. They even list the ports that uh, have it available, and that includes Juneau in Alaska, New York, San Francisco, San Diego, California, Seattle, Washington, Halifax, Montreal, Vancouver, uh, Bergen, Elsons, Christiansund, 
Kiel in Norway, Shanghai, mm. and Jiamen in China, to name uh, just a few. And of course, Sydney's uh, currently working on that as well. Yeah, that's it. Like, I mean, more and more ports coming on online with this, and um, as we as we see more ports bring more of their peers um, this level of connectivity, then we'll see you know a great reduction in the reliance on on shipboard engines whilst they're uh, alongside, which is you know not a not a small um, change. It's quite a significant change. Yes, exactly. Now, next from Holland America, they also uh, talked up just over a week ago the fact that they're uh, launching a global fresh fish program and included uh, celebrity chef uh, Mashaharu Moramitu as its fresh fish ambassador. Yeah, they say that they're the first cruise line to serve 100% fresh, certified, sustainable Alaska seafood on their ships when they're traveling in Alaska. And I think this mm. is really important because Holland America is a leader in the Alaskan market and it's such a delicate ecosystem. So um, it's good to see them uh, sort of following through and putting their, putting their uh, money where their mouth is when it comes to this sort of thing. Yeah, lots of different uh, options to choose from whilst you're on board uh, the ships in Alaska and beyond, um, including a pop-up at sea uh, featured on every single ship with a signature menu also available. So further further information on that one there, just jump into the show notes. You can have a quick read for yourself. Yeah, this is Morimoto at sea, uh, by sea, isn't it, is what it's called? That's a right, mul- yeah. multi-course dinner that celebrates the fresh, uh, fresh Fish program. Yeah, and not a bad price, actually. $55 per person for the cover charge, and uh, I'm sure it'll be a, a signature experience that you'll long remember once, uh, once completed. Sounds good. Next, we are talking Japan, and I feel like Japan's really flavor of the month right now. Every, everybody I'm talking to is talking about Japan, um, and this time we're talking about itineraries available through to 2025 on board Princess Cruises. Yeah, that's right. I mean, uh, twenty twenty five doesn't doesn't seem that far away now, does it? Really? No, no, no. Um, but Japan, uh, you know, very popular with um, with cruising, uh, has been a, a growing cruise market for, for quite some time. And uh, Princess obviously has had quite a um, you know quite a long uh, association and is very popular with the Japanese market. So they've got um, ten days and eleven days, which are new. Uh, the new eleven day spring flowers cruises in March and April. Um, that's happening. There's a nine day Southern Islands itinerary um, with calls to the Okawayan, Okinawan Islands. I hope I pronounced that right. Um, and calls to Taiwan. I'm very tired. <laughs> Just, uh, what country am I even right now? I don't know. Um, there's a nine and ten day Sea of Japan voyages as well. Um, ten day Japan explorer voyages and scenic cruising um, across Japanese waters as well. So there's a, there's a whole heap of different options, which um, full details obviously in the show notes, but you can obviously um, check that out on the Princess Cruises website as well. Yeah, and one thing they do particularly well at Princess is they do involve the the festivals that take place throughout the year um, in Japan. Obviously, having the ship there pretty much year-round allows them to do so. But yeah, we've got, uh, I'm not even going to try to pronounce these, but there's four different key festivals that take place uh, in August that uh, you really need to be a part of if you're considering an itinerary to Japan at that time of year. And again, the details in the show notes there. Uh, I think uh, uh, listener demand um, is... um pressuring you to try and pronounce those ones best <laughs> okay i'll go with the last one kimono fireworks festival oh, well done. Very August, good. <laughs> August 17. um yeah no, we'll pass on the rest <laughs> there's two dance there's two dance festivals i can say that <laughs> uh, actually no i do know somebody that's just been on princess in japan and said they do it incredibly well they it's very popular with the japanese local market but it's also very popular with the elite international market and they do a very good job of balancing uh the, the Japanese traditions and also embracing uh, kind of a global cruise community whilst cruising yeah. through Japan as well. 
Excellent. Now we're talking all things vegan food as uh, Carnival and other brands within the Carnival Corporation are uh, further expanding the vegan menu options across the fleet. Yes, absolutely. So Carnival Cruise Line is introducing the new vegan menus across um, their their ships. Um, latest news has just been added on board Carnival Freedom and Carnival Horizon. Um, and, but as you mentioned, there's a lot of... Uh, the Carnival Corporation brands as well that are taking an interest um, and, and starting yep. to offer uh, more both vegetarian and vegan options. Um, yeah, so there's exactly. an array, array of different food offerings as well. So it's, it's no longer just that um, one vegetarian or vegan option amongst everything else. You can actually get appetizers, entrees, or mains, the rest of the world, um, and desserts um, with, the, with the vegan menu on board the Carnival ships. Yeah, exactly. Interesting, actually. I was just up in Bali, and where we were staying was actually I didn't realise renowned for its uh, the vegetarian food scene. Apparently, a real, uh, real abundance of vegetarian forward uh, restaurants opening in that particular part of Bali, and it's attracting a pretty global audience. Oh yeah, no, it's it's well. I mean, I think there's a lot of um, alternate. Um, diet options that that bring various different health benefits so i think more and more people are sort of taking taking um note of it and even if you don't obviously people don't have to go fully fully vegan or vegetarian to to enjoy a vegan or vegetarian meal either yeah, no, exactly. Um, now, this news is a little bit of included it because I think it's quite a nice little landmark. Both P&O UK and Cunard have uh, completed the rollout of SpaceX Starlink. Yes, it should definitely improve the internet connectivity on board uh, on board the ships. <laughs> exactly. Because uh, I have to say, I think Cunard's probably been behind the eight ball when it comes to internet really of like in traditional terms but uh, yeah this will be a bit of a game changer i think and hopefully I think, yeah much much faster now with, with starlink is, is what i'm hearing yeah oh fabulous so yeah we've got across the three queens at present and also across the the various ships of the pno uk fleet uh which were was uh rolled out on june 2023 and is now uh, complete uh by the end of this year and last but by no means least, we're talking all things Silver Sea. And this week they've announced that the uh, Silver Nova will have no less than 1,800 pieces of art across the ship. Yeah, 1,800 pieces of art from 59 artists from 25 countries, they say, on board Silver Nova. They've, they've announced that uh, different parts of the ship are going to be famed for different installations and different uh, feels. Uh, the first mm. one is the Messina collection, which is a collection of 38 bronze sculptures um, mm-hmm. from classic 20th century, um, which are going to be uh, scattered through, throughout the, the ship. Then in the suites and corridors, we've got a dialogue of, between past and present. Yeah, photo- photographs by long-term Silver Sea ambassador Steve McCurry will be a key focal point of the past and present exhibition. Mm, nice. And then we've got Roman-inspired artistry, uh, which will be a uh, uh, testament to Silver Sea's Otium Wellness Program. So I'm guessing we'll find that in the spa and the, uh, the two o- Otium suites which are available. Yeah, and they've even got a collection in the library, uh, Dreamy Look at the Sea and the Sky, whilst you're enjoying some mm. time in the library on board. And did you spend much time when you're on the cruise ship looking at the individual pieces? On Silver Sea? On any ship. Oh. I, I, know, <laughs> I, know, I know some people um, who, who go on board and they just love walking the corridors and checking the um, various pieces of artwork and uh, looking at who the artists are. And, you know, for, for, for art lovers, it can be a bit of a, 
um, an additional sort of delighter, I think, when the ship has, uh, when a ship has so much um, artwork on board. Oh, absolutely. And as a minimum, I probably use it as a, a landmark, a navigation oh, yes. point to find to yep. find your way to certain parts of the ship. Um, if it's not my type of artwork, I use it as a, yeah, that's a good reference point to know that here we turn left for for whatever. Yes, so, yes. Uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I've got a friend um, whose favorite um, favorite old uh, Cunard ship is the Coronia, and uh, on the Queen Mary too, there's a one of the pictures of the Coronia on the main staircase. So if you want a meeting point or a focal point, then then you'll meet at the Coronia. <laughs> ah, there you go. Yep. Yeah. Awesome. Um, that, mate, is all we have in cruise news this week. There was an awful lot more news out there, but I, I really uh, pulled it back because there was oh, uh, so you. much to choose from. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, you will be back in Perth next week. I will be back in Perth next week, so things will be uh, a little bit more normal, and uh, we can uh, weave in some more maritime history, uh, maybe even a listener question or two, and, of course, the latest news from, from around the world. Thank you. Thank you for uh, – thanks for linking up with me. <laughs> No problem. I'll let you go and enjoy your coffee, mate, before you get on that next flight. And uh, safe travels. Thank you. There's a a boarding announcement right now, but sadly, it is not mine. It's still showing delayed. (laughs) (laughs) No problem. Time for a beer. Enjoy. Thank you. Take care. That's all for today. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or wherever you find your favorite podcasts. Until next time, bon voyage. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads.